Good morning. My, my name is Laurie Prince, and I'm a member of the Mint Hill Community Group. This morning's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands for my sake, and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now, in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, I just wanted to highlight just one thing. I know sometimes when you come to a church, I know we have a lot of visitors. If you're a visitor, we have a gift for you outside on your way out. Please do pick that up. As well as when you are new to our church, sometimes you may not get all the quote-unquote like church like cues, right? When to stand, when to sit down. And typically in our church, we stand during the reading of God's word um, because we want our harp, uh, our posture to match our heart. We are a church that believes in the inerrant word of the Lord. So when um, the scripture reading is reading the word, we ask you to stand if you're able as we match our heart's uh, posture, uh, posture with our heart in honoring God's word. That's why we ask you to stand during the reading of God's word. 
Um, my name is Josh Kim. I'm assistant pastor here at Christ Central Church. It is my privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker for this morning. As we know, the summer, we have a summer series of our guest speakers are coming and sharing from the gospel of Mark throughout the uh, next several weeks. Um, and this morning, we have a special guest speaker. We say special because uh, uh, Reverend Jose Portillo was our pastoral intern in our church before, along with his wife, Anna. They're both pastoral interns, and Anna actually served as our women's ministry coordinator as well. So it's always great to have our interns come back to speak. You can find out more about Pastor Jose and his work, especially the Vive Charlotte Church, his planting in the university city area. Please go to that, the link that we have on our bulletin as well as click on that church link, find out more about that, print it out, pray for him as they are anticipating a launch in the fall of this year. As we introduce, as we invite Pastor Jose to come to speak, there's a couple of things I want you to know about him. Um, I want you to remember that he's a church planter. Um, that means he has to tell the story of church planting, what God is calling him to do over and 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 over again. Not only so, he is Latin American pastor. I emphasize American purpose because oftentimes we often overemphasize Latin part, and he's a PCA pastor who, ha who, is, uh, who has a Hispanic origin. Imagine that. In our denomination, you have to tell your story on top of church planting story over and 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 over again because everybody has questions about why and how are you doing this in our city your background, your story. But one thing that I always love about Pastor Jose is he will tell you that story over and over and over and over and over again with same passion and conviction, the heart that God has placed him in. Not only so, as he preaches the gospel, again and again and again, he shares the same heart and passion as if it was the first time he shared it. So without further ado, let's invite Pastor Jose with a round of applause. Thank you. Well, it is a joy to be here with you guys. Uh, five years ago, I came for the first time because I had met these seminarian women uh, five years ago in RTS. And eight months, one day later after I met her, we were married. And she was working here uh, in this church, and I married into the PCA. So thank you. You know, it is because of your life and, and investing in her life that I am now here, an ordained minister in the PCA. And my name is Jose Portillo, and I was born in San Jose, Costa Rica, when my dad and my mother, who are from El Salvador, were planting a church. They left El Salvador with the promise that they will receive $50 to go into Costa Rica and plant a church. Till this day, they're still waiting for that support to, to happen, but they faithfully planted a church. And as I grew up in Central America throughout El Salvador, I saw my father and my mother serve the Lord. And I saw how the Lord was faithful all the time in the middle of civil war, in the middle of pandemics and earthquakes, in the middle of poverty. The ministry of my dad became what, it, what I desired. It was not that he had success. It was not that he had all these resources, but God was present in his life and in our family to the degree that I said, I want to serve God in the same direction. But God has different uh, sense of humor. He brought us to Texas. So I, I thought I was growing up 
in Central America. And then one day I was going to serve the Lord there. But at 16, I was in Houston, Texas, trying to discover, okay, I thought that God had dreams for me back then. But now I'm in Texas. I'm learning a new language. I'm learning a new community. And I didn't know uh, how God would use me. And for a long period of time, I wrestled with that idea. So I began supporting my dad as we did 10 years of ministry amongst the Spanish-speaking community in Houston. But then I began realizing something. The sons and the daughters of the Spanish-speaking community were leaving the church. And they were not finding their identity with the first-generation immigrant community, but they were not landing in an English-speaking community. And my heart began feeling, okay, God... I want to serve them. I want to be able to bring the gospel to their lives. So that's my story. In, in Houston, the Lord began putting a burden in my heart. What it would look like to plant a church that reaches and connects with the people of the sons and the daughters of the people that are not finding a place in the church. And that brought me to seminary, and that brought me to Charlotte, and that brought me to my family. And now we have a daughter, three years old, three and a half, and a son, one year old. And after graduation of seminary, I went back to Houston thinking, okay, finally the Lord is bringing all this dream of planting a church amongst the sons and daughters of the Hispanic community to reality. But God thought differently. And he used that time to affirm our family, to bless us, to give us a heart that was bigger than only thinking in the Houston context to reach the sons and the daughters of the Hispanic community, but began giving us a dream what it would look like to plant a church in the middle of a university context where we could reach the people in the margins, where we could begin to reach the diversity of the community, where we could begin to bring gospel life to the people that are not finding a place in church. And that's how we came back to Charlotte two years ago. And now by God's grace, we are working to plant a church, as Pastor Joshua was saying, in the university area. The name of the church, we are an English-speaking community, but the name of our church plant is Vive Charlotte Church. Vive means life. But more than life, vive in Spanish means he lives. So we want to be the church that declares that because he lives, we can have life. And if we have life, that means we can bring gospel life into our circles of influence. So be praying for us. As we are gathering through COVID, we began meeting a lot of people. And now we are beginning to gather as a launch team, praying that the Lord will use us to plant a church in the university city for the campus and the community. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you. And after that, repeat of my uh, background, I am glad to be here, and I am glad he to bring God's word that we just read, because this is a, a common story that most of us know, the story of a young, rich ruler who comes to Jesus looking for affirmation in his life. He's coming to Jesus to be affirmed in the way that he's living life, but lives very sad, because Jesus, the demands that Jesus has in his life are too great for him. So before hey, we go into our text, I would like us to pray and for us to ask the Lord to remind us of the song that we just sang. He can do all things. He can do all things but fail. That means when we pray, when we come to his word, we can come with the surety and assurance that his word will accomplish in our lives the things that he has intended to do. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this gospel community where we can worship together, where we can sing praises to you when our tears can flow from our, 
from our eyes, through our faces, where we can recognize that you have been so faithful. And as we come to your word, Lord, would you speak to us? And would you accomplish that which you have planned in our lives? Would you give us a bigger understanding of your love so that we would be quenched with it today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have been studying and going through the book of Mark for a couple of weeks. And in the first chapter, we see that Jesus has come proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe the gospel. So when we come today, we have to remember that this is what Jesus is doing. He's inviting people to know the message of good news. And with that message, that means that they are, there are decisions to, to be made. That means as listeners and as the people that were listening to this gospel, they needed to make a decision. Do we take this new life being offered to us, or do we keep the life that we have? You see, the, the gospel of Mark was written 25 years after Jesus had died and resurrected. That means that a new generation of Christians is emerging, a new generation of Christians that have only heard from the eyewitnesses the testimony of God, and now the word of God is being written, and now they have to be faced with the reality, will I make this faith mine, or will I only know about Jesus? Will I make this Jesus my Jesus? Will I make him my Lord, or will I only be one of those who only knows about him? You know, like the original readers, we are called to make a choice. Do we settle for the things that the world is offering to us, the prosperity gospel for the here and the now, or do we place our lives in the hands of Jesus and understand that if he is calling us to him, if he is calling us to leave everything behind, he is making a guarantee that he will be with us every single day of our lives. So we have two choices to make. Do we surrender to this world and the things of this world? Or do we surrender to him who is able to give us more abundantly than we can ever dream or imagine? You know, today I would like to talk about two different things, two different prosperity gospels that we find in our passage today. The first one is the prosperity gospel of the young rich ruler, a gospel of accumulation. And secondly, about the prosperity that the gospel of Jesus Christ invites us to have, a prosperity that is to be enjoyed and to be shared. So let's go and talk about these two points, the gospel of accumulation and the prosperity that we find in the gospel. And I want us to read verses 17 through 22 again. Listen to the word of the Lord. And as he was setting out on this journey, a man ran up. And knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all this I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. If you think about it and if you pay attention, our passage for today begins with Jesus in the move. 
Remember, Jesus is in this journey of proclamation. He is announcing that the kingdom of God is here, that it has come, that people need to believe and hear the good news of the gospel, that they need to repent and turn to him, that the king is coming, that the kingdom is, is coming, and that they are being invited into this kingdom. Jesus is faithfully going out and sharing all around so that everyone who will hear his voice, everyone who belongs to him, would come to him. Jesus is also going towards his destiny on this earth. He has come to give up his life. He is coming to die on the cross. And as Jesus is in this faithful task, this man comes running to him. This man comes before Jesus, and he has found the Lord, and he is kneeling before him. And you see it in the text. He is kneeling. He is showing deference to God, just like many of the people that have come in the previous chapters that came to Jesus. And if we look back in the previous chapters, we know that the people that have come before Jesus, they have been healed. They have been set free. They have been fed. Thousands of people have been hearing the good news of the gospel. So it's amazing. When we come to this story and we see the beginnings, we think, oh my goodness, this man is before the Lord. This man is on his knees. This man is asking about eternal life. Indeed, there must be a great story in this passage. But immediately we know that something is different about this story. Because the man comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In all the previous stories that we see in the previous nine chapters, we see people coming to Jesus. And in Mark 1, a demon-possessed man begins to speak to Jesus and says, What do you have to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know that you are the Holy One of God. In chapter 1, Jesus stands against this demon-possessed man and sets him free. In Mark 2, later on, a leper man comes to Jesus and implores him, kneeling to him, he says, If you will, Lord Jesus, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus does. In Mark 2, four friends get his friend that is a, a paralytic and open the, the roof of the house and bring the man down so that he would have contact with Jesus. And Jesus not only saves this man, but heals him. In Mark 5, Jesus goes to the city of Gerasarene, and there is a demon-possessed man, and he, nobody is able to contain him, and Jesus comes to him, and this man is set free. In Mark 6, Jesus feed, feeds thousands, heals thousands, because he has compassion of them. In Mark 7, a Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus and falls at his feet, and he tells Jesus, Jesus, I know that only even the crumbs of what you offer will be able to heal my daughter and set her free. This woman was a Gentile. This woman was a social outcast, but Jesus gives her what she is coming for. In Mark 7, we see that people are astonished with Jesus because the deaf are hearing, the mute are speaking. In chapter 8, now the blind can see. People are coming to Jesus because they know who he is. In Mark 9, people are bringing the sick, the oppressed, not, not, now not only to Jesus. They're coming to his disciples because they know that the life that Jesus offers has power to transform, to bring life. And they know that Jesus is life. And they know that they, those who follow him also have that life available to him. People know that Jesus is great. But if you notice, the man in our story is coming to Jesus. He looks the parts. 
but he's coming to Jesus in a different way. He's coming to Jesus as an educated man. He's coming to Jesus in his high regard for himself with the position that he has earned for himself. He knew science, perhaps, didn't support miracles. He knew, perhaps, that the message and the claims that people were talking that Jesus heals perhaps were not true. Perhaps were exaggerations, maybe legends. That truly Jesus was a great teacher, but he couldn't be what everybody else is claiming to be. He knew better. This is a great teacher, he thought to himself. So maybe I will come to him and ask him, what are the principles by which you live your life? Maybe I can add good things that you are doing to my own life. So he comes to Jesus as a good teacher and asks him a question that highlights, he's a learned man. He's a good person. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice right away, this is the wrong question. Because for the ministry of Jesus, Jesus has been preaching about this. Jesus has been calling people to repentance. Jesus has been inviting people to know him, to know that his kingdom is coming and that he is the king. He has been showing himself to be the king. But this man is coming to the king. This man is coming to the one that is speaking about the kingdom, the things that he claims that he desires. But he doesn't want that. And he doesn't want him He wants a different way. He wants a more sophisticated answer. He wants a more educated approach to this eternal life. In a way, he was saying to Jesus, I know the message that you use with the people is working and that's great, but Jesus, between you and me, can can you just give me the insight? You know, I'm educated. I I know better. How do you actually access this great life ahead? How do you ensure that I actually am able to earn this promise of a better life? It is here where we see an amazing, loving Jesus in verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. It is incredible Jesus looked at the man. Jesus saw the man. This man had obtained a good social status. Verse 22 says that he had great possessions. This man had also a good religious reputation. Like verse 20 said, he knows the law and he affirms to know the law. So when Jesus begins to ask him about the commandments of Moses, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not... Bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and your father. And he said to, to, to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Think about it and pay attention to what Mark is doing here. The man is affirming that he knows the law of God. But Mark shows us that these are the Ten Commandments, but these are incomplete. None of the commandments that deal with God are shown him. Yet, the man doesn't speak to the commandments that are missing. He only affirms that he has kept them. But Jesus is looking at the man. But Jesus sees the man. He knows where the man has placed his identity, in the success, in his riches, in his position, in his power. He has understood that this man is coming to him for affirmation. He doesn't want to change. But Jesus is not only looking to him, but Jesus loves the man. Mark tells us that Jesus' love was so palpable that he wanted this man 
to believe the good news. He wanted this man to take a moment and consider the message that he was giving to him. Jesus' love for the man leads him to speak with clarity and to show him that his way was faulty. That's why Jesus tells him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. This man was truly kneeling before a loving Jesus. Jesus is inviting the man to be a disciple. Think about that. Come and follow me. Just as Jesus had invited the 12 disciples that had followed him, Jesus was showing the, the love of a Savior to a man. And he's inviting him, come and follow me. He invited this man to be number 13. Think about that. Jesus is being clear. Jesus is doing a challenge to this man. He's inviting him not to give it all away and to be empty-handed, but he's inviting him to be with him. But this was not good news to the man. Disheartened, verse 22 says, by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The man had come to Jesus asking about eternal life. But Jesus' invitation to him to obtain what he had claimed to be looking for made him sad. Made him sad to hear the news that Jesus demanded great things from him. Think about this. The rich young ruler had accumulated all that he longed for in this earth to the point that his heart had no space to receive from Jesus. There was no space to receive the love that Jesus was displaying right in his face. He was being invited to be a disciple, to be a follower, to be with Jesus, to know him intimately, but there was no space because he had believed in the prosperity gospel of the world. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. There was no space in him to receive and accept the invitation to obtain eternal life, to be with the king, to belong to the king. The world had told this man, the road to a joyful life is to be prosperous. So accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. But even when this man had obtained all the things that he was longing for, his soul longed for more. That's why he is kneeling before Jesus. He was looking for something soul-satisfying. He was looking for this eternal life that maybe all these people are talking about. He wanted that, but he wanted that in addition to what he already had. So when he hears the offer to get his soul quenched, he had no ability to consider what Jesus was calling him to do. He knew that his identity was in being rich because everybody knew that he was rich. He was a religious man and he knew about it. He knew that his name and status was above many other people and everybody that was beneath him knew about him. He couldn't understand how Jesus' offer could be better when he would lose his name, he would lose his possessions, and he would lose the opportunity to claim religious status that depended on his own works. The demand of Jesus shocked him and filled him with sadness. The verse says, the saying of Jesus made him sad. But think about this. It was not only the saying of Jesus. It was not only the words of Jesus that he left behind. The man leaves Jesus. 
the man walks away from Jesus. Jesus, the word, he leaves Jesus, the word. The word of God that had been made flesh made this man sad. Emmanuel had come to give him life, but the earthly treasures of this world were better in his eyes than the treasure maker. Jesus had loved him, but his heart was not looking for the love of Jesus. His heart was looking for self-love. He wanted affirmation. God, you, you move closer. God, you change. God, you allow me to be part of you without asking me to change a little bit. The man was asking for affirmation, but Jesus was giving him an invitation. Come, give it all away and receive all that I am and all that I have. How is the world offering prosperity to you in this way? Where are you accumulating things in your heart, in your life, that are not allowing the love of God to fully quench who you are? Think about it. Many of us accumulate the future with anxiety and worry. We're unable to recognize that God is here, that He is present, that He's given us a community of faith, that He's given us His Word, that He's given us His Spirit, that He wants to bring life and joy and peace today. How is the accumulation of anxiety and worry impacting your life so that you have no space for him. How is work? Many are going and going to school worried about the job that they will have. And once they have the job, they're worried about how to guarantee that they will have tenure in that job. And once they have tenure, they wonder, Lord, how am I going to be able to do it in this work for this long when it's going to be so monotonous? How is this prosperity accumulation affecting your lives? How is this promise that the world gives affecting you, notice that it cannot deliver. We can live in the way of the world, just living for our own truth, accumulating the things that affirm who we are, but that leaves us with no space for Jesus. What about one more degree? What about more likes and more affirmation? Maybe we are clogged in our lives by living in the past, unable to enjoy the life that Jesus is offering to us. The promise of this world only leaves you with sadness as this man was left. This man would go and leave Jesus Christ and live in sadness and fall again into the, the sadness and drifting into the next accumulation of things. You know, I'm a first generation immigrant, and so I grew up in Central America knowing about those who pursue the American dream. Many who are connecting their, their communities, yes, they're living in poverty, but they hear that there is a dream to be obtained. And many families leave their nations and their countries or their cities pursuing that American dream that promises prosperity and promises abundance and promises great things that will give you a better way of life. And many come to this nation and many go to wealthy nations pursuing that dream. But guess what? You ask them. Tell me the story of one person that you know that has obtained, that has tasted, that has seen this dream in their own hands, and nobody knows. Everybody's pursuing a bigger dream, a bigger idea, and in that pursuit, they leave it all, and they lose, and they begin to find sadness here. And you can, this zip code is so full of immigrants that are sad, that are broken because the dreams that they pursued have not been achieved they feel that everything is being loose from their hands. And all of a sudden, the gospel comes. 
and many hear the gospel, and they see Jesus, and they come like this man running to the church asking, Lord Jesus, how do I obtain my dreams and my desires? And Jesus comes and tells them, leave the American dream. Leave the prosperity dream behind and follow me and have a secure place in the kingdom. But that becomes also sad news for many who prefer to say, no, 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 I have left my country, my family. I've been spending years in this place. How can God, how can Jesus be asking me to leave those pursuits behind and tell me to only have him? This is what the world offers, a prosperity gospel that only leads to the desire of accumulation, that only desire, that fills us up to the point that we have no space for the Lord Jesus Christ. The second point. The gospel of Jesus, though, brings true prosperity. So this is the story of the young rich ruler. His life was quenched. He had no space for Jesus. But Jesus and his disciples will have a conversation after this man leaves. Verse 23 through 31. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and follow you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or fathers or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last the first. The rich young ruler had been living for the kingdom, his kingdom, so that there was no space to hear the good news of the king announcing the kingdom that is coming with eternal life. The disciples were amazed that Jesus would be proclaiming the good news and will also be saying that there is hard times for those who are wealthy to come into the kingdom. The disciples were amazed that Jesus was telling them that those who accumulate and quench their hearts with the things of the world will have no space for the kingdom. The disciples were shocked at these statements. And they say, who can be saved? And Jesus tells them right away. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The disciples were the testimony. Jesus was telling Peter, you are the testimony. It's the same call that the rich young ruler received. Come and follow me. That the disciples had received. The disciples had believed the message. The disciples had left everything. And now they were with Jesus. The rich young ruler accumulated his earthly prosperity but that provided him with no soul sustenance. On the other hand, the disciples who left it all for the king were next to the king and were part of a new gospel community. They had prosperity, and they didn't realize it. 
they had joy available for them to face adversity, for them to face obstacles, for them to face persecution. That's why Jesus told them, truly I say to you, there is no one who will not receive from what he has lost. Jesus told his disciples that, the, that living for the kingdom of God is not about accumulation, but it is about loss. That means considering all the treasures that this world is offering to give us identity, we need to count it as loss. In order that in our hearts, we will have the space to receive the good news that Jesus is available for us. That Jesus is inviting us into his kingdom. That Jesus wants to satisfy our lives, not only in the now, with tribulations and persecution, but eternally. A life of abundance, a life that will never end. A life of security with him. Think about it. Jesus talks to his disciples about 100-fold prosperity for all the things that they have lost. God was offering prosperity in the shape of a gospel community. The new gospel community is your prosperity, Jesus was telling them. And brothers and sisters, this community right here is God's prosperity to you. Jesus asked the man to give it all away. And the rich man, he didn't want to walk away from this. He didn't want to be broke. He didn't want to be without anything. He didn't want to be without anyone. But Jesus never told him that he was going to be broke, that he was going to be without anything and without no one. But Jesus told him, give it all and follow me and have me and have all that I am and have all that I have. Jesus' invitation to this man was to have it all not to have all the things that he had. Jesus told him to give it all away and to gain a whole community. Jesus gives us his church. Jesus invites us to be part of the body because it is his prosperity for us in this world that we would have families to enjoy, that we would have dining room tables to share meals together with, that we would be able to cry with those who cry and laugh with those who laugh, to dance with those who dance and sing with those who sing. Jesus is giving us prosperity to those who are his in the community of the saints, in those who are able to encourage one another, in those who are able to sing aloud and pray together and sing praises to him and invite others into this community. A good question would be, are you enjoying God's prosperity in your life? Are you enjoying the people that are around you? Are you enjoying to hear their stories, their tribulations, their struggles? Are you sharing a meal together? You know, tell someone today, like I grew up hearing, hay más agua para la sopa. I grew up hearing, donde comen tres, comen cuatro. Those are sayings that were always constant in my house, hearing there's always more water to be added to the soup so more can eat. There's always a place, a fourth place, when there's a meal prepared for three. We always have to have this community we need to understand that this is the prosperity that the Lord wants to give us, that he gives us one another, that your story is important for their story, that their brokenness is important for your wholeness, that your wholeness is important to their brokenness, that your needs are important for their wants, and that what you have is important for somebody else. And what you lack is able to be shared with one another. Jesus was telling his disciples, you have 100-fold more than you, what you lose when you come into the kingdom. So what will you do with the prosperity God gives you? What will you do with what and the people that are around you? And what must be removed in your hearts that is not allowing you to enjoy the fellowship 
of the prosperity into which God is calling you. The disciples left everything. They followed Jesus. And Jesus didn't leave them empty-handed. Jesus was giving them a promise of hope to endure suffering, a promise of hope to not be alone, a promise of hope to be with more family members, with more fathers, with more mothers, with more sisters, with more brothers, with more sons, with more daughters. And this is the prosperity that the Lord has for his people so that there, in the middle of our personal tribulations, we will have a place to be embraced. We will have a place to belong. We will have a place to have a voice. We will have a place to hear the voice of others encouraging us. Jesus told them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left all for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Yes, with persecutions, but with abundant life in the age to come, eternal life. The world offers prosperity, but it does not satisfy. It does not satisfy your soul and the longings that you have. It leaves you with individual sadness. But the gospel of Jesus Christ reminds you that the gospel community is where we find the prosperity to endure this life as we await for the promise of eternal life. The rich young ruler chose to keep his earthly prosperity. And this left him with no space to receive the invitation of the king. He was coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I want eternal life. But he left sad. There was no space for him. But what he didn't realize is that he was speaking to the one proclaiming the message. He was speaking to the one that was coming to give his whole life, to give his whole riches, to come from the heavens into the earth, to take the form of a servant, to be obedient. He was inviting this man to do a small thing that highlighted the obedience that Jesus was going to accomplish. Jesus left all the treasures of heaven. He left riches and position to become the least, to be mistreated, to be rejected, to be marginalized, to be crucified. He was headed to the cross to die for the sins of his people. He knew what he was asking this man to do. Leave it all and gain me. He was headed to the cross to die for the sins of his people. So by that his death and by his resurrection, he could pay for the sins of men like him who had accumulated it all in this world and that had no space for Jesus. Jesus was inviting this man to do something small to gain it all. Because Jesus was going to give up his life so that in his death, in his resurrection, others would obtain life. But life not only for the now, but eternal life. Brothers and sisters, will you give your all? Would you give all the things that you are accumulating in your hearts? Would you give all the things that are becoming an obstacle for you to receive the wholeness and the fullness of Jesus Christ today? And will you embrace your gospel community where God has placed you, where God wants to give you encouragement and life and enjoyment, a prosperity that is so abundant, a hundredfold from what you have lost if you are in Jesus. And yes, he promises eternal life. And yes, there will be sufferings. And yes, there will be tribulations. And yes, there will be persecution. But in the gospel prosperity, you will not be alone. You will not be left to yourself. Because in the life of Jesus, there is fullness of joy and there is a gospel community offered to you. Will you give it all to have Jesus and all that he is? Let us pray.
You can, do, you can do all things, Lord, but you cannot fail. Thank you for your love and your word. Thank you for the invitation that you give us. Thank you that it is impossible for us to receive your grace, but it is not impossible to you. Thank you that you have changed our hearts and allow us to be emptied of the things of the world, to receive all who you are. And I pray, Lord, would you give us love and appreciation for what you have accomplished? And would you give us a love to enjoy the prosperity of this community that you give us? And would you make us a, a gospel community that testifies to others that there is place in the kingdom, that the king is welcoming, that he is loving, that he gives more than he takes away, that he promises eternal life? Would you restore our hearts, O oh Lord? If our hearts have been accumulating things that have not allowed us to enjoy you, would you meet us today? And would you fill us with your love and let your love clean our hearts out of all the junk that this world is placing within us? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.